Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts. Tune in and Block Talk Radio, your host Oscar Lopez, episode 224. And today we're going to be talking about the NFL anthem policy, the new policy instituted last Wednesday, the new NFL rule changes, some of those that are going to be a little bit of crucial changes. Plus, we're going to be talking WFA 2018 playoffs, recapping week eight, and some international events from Australia, which is the Women's Australian Gridiron League tournament going on this week as well as last weekend, the Great Britain Diamond Series. And we're going to recap week six of the Legends Football League and some of the playoff scenarios in that league. Don't forget to subscribe to our Apple podcast and download over 200 episodes with amazing athletes and coaches. So search Gridiron Beauties at Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for amazing shared videos of girls playing American football globally. And don't forget to visit our Zazzle shop for cool T-shirts, leggings, and gifts. You can use daily codes and save big. And like us on Facebook. That's our hub, facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties for weekly updates, breaking news. And in spring in the crew here, it's going to be college football, NFL guru, Troy Wilson, as well as um, IWFL legendary quarterback, championship quarterback, Luis Bean. We, are, we won't be having Holly Custis today or – Tracy Brick in the house, but they will return next week. So at this point, uh, guys, how's it going today? It's going good. Doing well. Doing how's well. it going, Troy? Okay. I'm doing well. Cannot complain whatsoever. And Washington being in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals doesn't hurt either. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, my boys took it on the chin last night. But you know what? I think that was one of the more epic – First round Stanley Cup games I've seen. It was high scoring, a lot of excitement, man. A lot of great hits. Um, you know, some a lot of speed on that on that uh, Vegas side, man. I mean, so it's going to be interesting to see how how if if the Capitals can remain physical and keep up with that team. Because man, seeing them in person, I can see why they are you know where they are right now. And that speed up there, man, speed kills, as they say, and that's with any sport. That always transitions over. Troy, this is uh, an all-fantasy squad put together. Can you believe that? That's like a disservice to this league. This is not an expansion team by no means. You know, when you put it together on the roster, this is not an expansion team by no means. So, you know, when they threw that out there, oh, we got an expansion Vegas Golden Knights in, in Las Vegas. No way. When I looked at that roster, I was like, are you kidding me? That is not an expansion team roster. <laughs> not even close. Yeah, that's it. And really, the key for me was is when they got Mark Andre Fleury. I said, "Man, how did how did they pull that off?" Right? So I mean, because that's the biggest thing. I think a lot of the you're going to find some skillful guys all throughout the NHL. Guys that play the defenseman position and and guys that are forwards and centers, and they can score and things of that nature. But it's always the key thing: how good is your goalie? That's really what what drives people over the top. I mean, your goalie has to be top notch. Mark Andre Fleury, 
know, he doesn't get the, the just you know due that he get that he should get in my opinion. I think he's one of the top goalies in the league, and he has been for a long time. So when they got him, I knew that they were on the right track. But I had no idea they'd be as good as they are right now. I, I did not see that coming. I can tell you right now, Troy, for Washington to have a shot, they will have to get as physical as they need to get. Uh, exactly what the West Coast teams uh, did to slow down speed. So they're going to have to play a muscle physical check check game in order for them even to get close to even survive. Because if they let speed go by, they they'll get nailed. But um, well, we wish you well in uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals, and uh, see if Washington can somehow pull the rug under uh, Vegas's uh, exciting season so far. But uh, but yeah. good, good for you because you're a Cavs fan, a long time coming. They've been able not to get to certain rounds, and all of a sudden, kind of like a equated to the 2012 Kings team that finished eighth and they went all the way. You know what I mean? It's kind of a journey in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, man, you know what? That's the beauty of hockey, man. Cause it doesn't really matter what position that you're in. As long as you get in, I mean, you got a shot at it, man. Anybody can get it, man. So that's why I love hockey so much. A lot of parody in that sport. All right. So guys, um, through eight weeks in the WFA, we pretty much know now, who are going to be in the playoffs at this point. We pretty much understand who's going to be in, who's not going to be out. But, um, Troy, let's talk D.C. one more time with you. Um, the Divas have – they started off slow, one and two. They get beat by Boston, and then they get beat by Pittsburgh. And then all of a sudden they turn around and beat Boston and Pittsburgh in back-to-back weeks. So this <laughs> is a sign of championship caliber quality football right there for them. The last two weeks, they beat Boston, I think, 40-35, to 35, week seven. And this past week, 21-13. So, Amanda Congeldi out there and company in D.C., uh, they are in the playoff mix based on Massey ratings and everything else, their strength of schedule and everything. So, um, Divas, literally, you know, one year removed from Allie, Allie Hamlin. Here we are. Amanda's doing her part. Still there, Troy? Did we lose him? Yeah. I'm, hey. Can you oh, there that? you are. Sorry about that. Yeah, I can hear yeah, you now. So, um, I'm just kinda, saying Diva's on a roll here. DC, I kind of gave D.C. a hard time last week. Um, I felt like they were kind of beating on some of the lower-tier teams. But you know what? They showed a lot of metal in this Boston game. And, it, it, you know, that that's, that's that hard of a champion. And so they found leadership, you know, within that team, even though they lost some of the biggest stars that, that ever played in that sport. And, you know, they're still, you know, carrying on that tradition. They have to have great leadership at those positions to keep on winning like that. So, you know, to see them kind of ascend after, as you alluded to earlier, the slow start, this is a great thing for them. And I'm definitely happy to see that they're back in their stride. And I think this is around a time where you really want to get the momentum going into the postseason. And right now they definitely have it going. Luis, what do you think of D.C.'s run here? Two weeks in a row, they beat top caliber, you know, based on Massey, these are top caliber tier one teams, which is their rivals, basically. Um, I've always said in the past, this is basically WFA Pro. If they ever get a, you know, if they ever structure to a point where they make a pro league, this Eastern Conference region would be the, the heartbed of a pro league. But, you know, they beat, they beat um, Boston, Cahill, and then they beat uh, Horton. And back to back, and it, w- it wasn't easy easy wins either. These were tough. They had to drag it out. They had to muster in the fourth quarter and really get it done. Defense had to step up. Offense had to do their thing, and 
you know, I think it gives them a lot of confidence. Um, these are big games that are you don't have buys for and things like that. I mean, the first Boston game was a was a nail biter of the close game, and then they came back, and that's just huge for your team's ego and your team's resiliency. And so I think they went into Pittsburgh. Well, no, it was at it was Pittsburgh came to DC if I remember correctly. So that's a big deal, and I just think. They took care of their business. I had read that um, Amanda had several quarterback design runs that were really effective. And, um, yeah, those are some great teams. And so now they're the number one seed Matthew rankings, which a couple weeks ago they were the number four seed. So that's a big jump. But, you know, they deserve it. Yeah. They're all those teams. I mean, any day, any game, anything can happen. So that's pretty awesome. Now, we we talked about that in the beginning of the year when, you know, obviously Allie retired, and we, we thought, hey, here's Amanda. Amanda, we brought her on to, to talk about it, and she was very confident. So now now we see her confidence building here. And so uh, mm-hmm. she's really – they're really they're really gelling is the word here. DC's really gelling at the right time in terms of playoff mode at this point. Um, they get Carolina next week. Um, so, um, Luis – Carolina hasn't played well. This is not the Carolina that we used to know in the IWFL and uh, one year into the WFA. And I don't know if this is, you know, a recruiting numbers thing or whatever, but anyways, they have not played well. So uh, literally in week nine here, we could pretty much the way the Divas are playing, we could pretty much consider this a shoe and win. It should be. I'm sure they're going to welcome the, Oh, with all due respect to Carolina, they're just not Boston and, and Pittsburgh, so they'll probably get to not have to play their starters quite as much, and the full team will play, and that's just a, a mental. Um, it's just you, you approach it differently mentally. Do they expect to play well? Yeah, but it's just a different game, so they should win by quite a bit. Hopefully All they right, don't have um, a letdown. Yeah, hopefully they don't. That's what I'm saying. But they're on a good high. So uh, Troy. Arkansas last year, they had to go from Arkansas to uh, Oregon. They beat Oregon, and then they had to come back to, you know, to the national championship, and they beat Orlando. All of a sudden, uh, you know, a, a huge story, only 12, a 12-man roster in D3. They muster it out, and they beat the Anarchy for the national championship D3. At the beginning of the year, I don't think anybody really thought that, you know, they were going to be anything better than they were last year, but they have shown they are undefeated. And the last two weeks here, similar to D.C., uh, they have beaten the Alabama Fire back-to-back weeks on the road and at home. And so they made their statement this week, 46-16, to 16, uh, they beat Alabama. And Alabama has beaten Atlanta, which is Tier 1. So uh, the Wildcats are just starting to catch fire here as we get into the playoffs for the a national title. So they're looking for their back-to-back championship. Yeah, and then, you know, for them to, you know, be dominant like that on the D3 level, it just, you know, goes to show that I think a lot of these teams are closing the gap. I mean, as you said, I mean, they didn't expect much from the Arkansas team uh, last year, and they just overcame all of these obstacles, you know, hurt players, missing players, um, and they still come out on top. And then you see what they've done is they've kept that momentum going for this season. You know, I mean, you, you're, it's really looking up with that program. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to start keeping an eye on them because, I mean, that's that sounds like they have some fighting brewing down there. 
Yeah, and it worked out really well this week. So uh, back-to-back weeks against Alabama. And Alabama's played tough versus tier tier two, uh, tier two, one and tier two squads. So, um, you know, they're not a bad team. They're a pretty good team. So to get blown out like that, um, it must have been, you know, either numbers not there or something happened there. But other than that, we got to give Arkansas the credit here. Um, the Luis, we talked about the elite needing to win against Austin for them to even stay in the cunt. And I guess they hurt us because it's 46 to zero. They beat the outlaws. So they keep their they hopes did. alive here. Yeah, that's, they're just a better team. And I just don't see the team looking on the outside, the team on the outside looking in Arlington. I just don't see them overcoming that. And I don't think they'll make the playoffs. So I think it's pretty set as far as the whole WFA playoffs. The seedings could adjust uh, a little but I don't see it adjusting very much. I think L.A. will still win in the West. Uh, the seedings for the Pittsburgh, Boston, and Sandy, or, uh, D.C. might adjust, but they'll probably still play each other, the four teams. And then Casey and Dallas, and I don't see that changing. So Dallas took care of their job. Yeah, and the uh, the one picture that we, were, that we had talked about last week and the week before was we, we started to focus on D3 more now this week, next week, and the weeks that come because it is tightening up. You get Richmond 4-1. Uh, and one. They're going to go up against, I think, Philly this next week, which will be a big test for the Black Widows. Tier 3, Tier 2, it is a huge game for Philly in, in order for them to stay in contention in Tier, in tier 2. So uh, Massey might be generous to them if they put up a good fight, even if they lose, but if they win, it's a, it's better for them. Richmond here, uh, they're four and one. This is a big test for them. So they, they got to like, you know, fight tooth and nail against Philly here. So um, Troy, what's your feeling here? Richmond T3, pretty decent four and one record, but they haven't faced, I don't think they faced a tier two and Philly is very scrappy team. They've played New York uh, very tough this year too. You know, when you see matchups like that, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, they're, they're kind of in a similar fashion. You know, they, they both have this kind of resilient gene with them. Um, you know what? Richmond has kind of been impressive the last two years. Um, and I think, you know, there was – there was I think maybe I asked a question about it last year as far as them, is there a possibility of moving up at some point? Because I think that's one of the programs that will do that. So I think I'm going to have to go with Richmond on this one. Um, I think they'll take that game. Luis, well, uh, what will it say about the Phantoms they end, if they do fall? Well, it's because they've played very tough, they, and their schedule, strength of schedule is very well done. They play pretty much everybody on the East Coast, whether it be Tier 1 or Tier 2. Are you talking uh, Philly or are you talking Richmond? We're talking Philly. Yeah. No, Philly, they're going to be there. Um, unless they've had some really tough injuries, they're going to be there. And I don't know if they'll be the representative from the East, but I think they'll be in the final four. All right. Um, let's talk about the Connecticut Hawks. We haven't talked about them. They're undefeated 6-0 and in Tier 3. They get their big test as well this week. They take on Tier 2 New York Sharks. So New York has played really well in tier two. Uh, I don't think New York wants to have a loss to a tier three team, but this would be a huge upset in the big apple. If somehow the Connecticut Hawks come up and scrap off a win. 
it could happen. Anything could happen. Uh, you know, Alabama beat uh, Atlanta, so New York better be ready. Troy, what do you think New York should be ready? You know, I think in the WFA, I think, um, as I said, I mean, you're starting to see a little bit more of those. I mean, before it was more of a, you know, if it was Tier 1 against Tier 2, it was a rarity that they lost, but you're starting to see a little bit more of those. So I'm going to go. I, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and take New York. I think they will be embarrassed about it. I almost jumped out there, but I think New York could take that one. <laughs> Yeah, you almost right. went there. Big, yeah, <laughs> big test almost. for Connecticut. Big test for Connecticut. That's that's what I'm saying because this is this is their biggest test of the year. I think for Connecticut, they played well. They played ball well all year, but I think New York is at a higher level, and we'll see. And then they get they get to go against Karen Mulligan. <laughs> it's not always a good uh, as great as this. You know, she's an awesome quarterback. So they're they're going up at one of the best. Um, and she could be considered tier one too, as well with with the sharks. But um, so Connecticut, big big test there. Um, we haven't talked about Derby, five and one. Uh, they took care of Cincinnati, thirty six fourteen, and so in D three. We haven't talked about Derby there. Uh, so you know we might end up at some point down the road here in the next week or two. They look like their poised team as well. Um, the other team, Music City. I think uh, we'll be going up against, uh, since, I think, is it Cincinnati or is it Derby? Uh, I have to look at the schedule here. Derby but, uh, Music City is also in play. Oh, yeah. oh Derby Atlanta. That's what I was going to mention. So that's, that's another test. Uh, the other one that I had on my, on my notes here, correct, Atlanta. Derby, the same concept. They're 5-1. and one. This is their big test. And the Phoenix obviously cannot have a letdown like they did against Alabama at this late in the season. Oh, gosh, no. But they also had a lot of points last week or the week before. I think that they are, they're coming into their stride, so I'm not worried about Atlanta. All right. Um, I, I think so, Atlanta, is just, Atlanta is just probably going to refocus. I mean, that, that Alabama loss has got to be embarrassing to them. So I see them kind of refocusing and just, you know, tightening up all their screws and tying up any blue signs. I think they can take it. And, you know, I think they'll build off of it. They won't be embarrassed again. All right. Um, I have some sad news. Obviously, uh, this past week on Wednesday, there was a shooting in Columbus, and one of the Columbus Comets uh, players was involved in that incident with Tasha King Daly, a two-year player. And uh, so we uh, are sending our prayers and condolences to the family, the uh, Comet family as well, uh, on the loss of, their, of a player there and, and the Daly family, and uh, our prayers go out to them. Um, so, uh, just happened, I guess there was just an incident. I don't have the details at this point, but all I got, it was that, uh, she passed away a couple of days later after the incident. So, uh, our prayers go to, uh, Columbus Comets family. Um, oh, wow. so, um, yeah, just, uh, unfortunate incident. I, I, I don't know much of the details, but, uh, I've been told that, uh, there was a, a, an incident and then she didn't survive. So, in a, believe is a shooting so we'll we'll look into that and figure that out and get some more details but um guys uh troy let's start here the nfl finally gets uh an anthem policy and roger goodell stands out there and says this is our policy and so um what's your thoughts on the on the uh, policy or the anthem policy yeah i mean it's 
a couple of things I have on it. I mean, you know, Roger the Dodger, he's he's a slick one. He's he's slick on that one. Um, he, you know, he made it a, um, I think, part of the NFL bylaws, so that way that the players, they can't even vote on it. They don't even have a choice. Um, yeah, so it's not even, it's, it's part of game operations. It's not even part of the collective bargaining agreement. So it's nothing that can be argued and things like that. And I think just at the basic level of it, it's a protest. It's a peaceful protest. I, I understand that it does offend people, but I think that's part of what makes it a protest is that it it, it garners attention. And if these NFL players decide to use their platform to bring attention to something uh, you know, in the effort of trying to bring peace to something, to try to bring some awareness to it, it's you know I, I I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean I just think there have been way worse things that you know players or or people could do to protest. I mean, but you don't see the vitriol on those you know on those on those same issues. And I just you know I understand that the reason why the NFL is doing it. It's really just from a dollars and cents perspective. Uh, if you think about it, you know, they may, you know, uh, um, kind of uh, rub some African-American um, customers the wrong way with their stance on this. I think that's inevitable that I would say that most, most people have an issue with that if they do follow the NFL. They, ha- they have a problem with it. But the fact of the matter is that African-Americans are not the ones that are buying the luxury boxes. And so if those luxury boxes, the people who own the licensing for those things are going to these owners because they do have an ear to the owner because they are, you know, a, a wealthy people. And they say to the owners, listen, if this continues, you can count me out of, of, of buying one of these luxury boxes. I mean, that's the guy who's going to go with. I mean, these guys are spending almost like $100,000 per game on these on these luxury boxes as opposed to, you know, Joe Schmo who's, you know, spending fifty five bucks. That's offend him. That's fine. But the guy that's spending a hundred grand a game, we're not gonna offend that guy. We're gonna we're gonna cater to our, to that audience because they give us the most money. So I do understand it from a business perspective. But it still doesn't sit right with me. Um, you know, I think it's it's a tragedy to, you know, try to make a protest and you want someone to protest the way that you want them to protest. That doesn't even make sense. That, that, that doesn't even make it a protest anymore. It just makes it some kind of, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, but it, it's not a protest at that point, at that, you know. So I, I'm completely against it. I think the NFL has alienated a lot of their players, who, by the way, the league is, is about 70% African-American. But there are talks that these guys are going to start protesting. They're going to find their own way to protest the game. Some even said some, you know, about sitting out games. I really want to see how that transpires or how that would affect them, especially since they are in the contract, and I hope they don't mess their contracts up. But it's going to be a mess, and it's going to be a mess for a while. It's going to be a lot of upset people, no matter which way you go with it. And I wish it never got to this point because it wasn't about disrespecting the flag. It was merely just to bring attention to a subject matter that is affecting us, you know, affecting uh, black people or people or brown people in, in these communities. Troy, what do you say to the fan that says, why don't you get your elected officials to deal with that? And that's not a football thing. Well, I, I, my thing is, um, I think 
especially now with the political climate, I think a lot of us are starting to follow politics a little bit more right now. But I think no matter what side of the aisle that you're on, you know sort of in the back of your mind that, a polit- that an elected politician is really not in a, in a powerful position in the first place. And, and a lot of times we don't even trust them. So if we would go to them as far as, you know, trying to have our backing with that, I, I just don't think a lot of people have a tr- trust politicians to be able to do something to that scale. And we've kind of seen that in other aspects of, of politics, which I don't even want to get into. But, you know, right. I just I just think really when it comes down to it, we can't expect uh, a a career politician to really – Push the agenda forward. I think it's going to come naturally from the people. And and by the way, again, there's no disrespect to anyone out there that is in the military and you know wants people to stand for the flag. No disrespect to them. But if you're saying that you fought for our freedom, that is part of the freedom is to be able to protest in that way and to be able to protest peacefully. And I just think that the narrative has changed purposely so people can redirect. What the real message is It's not people sitting there saying Like we're saying right now Disrespecting the flag Disrespecting the flag All the flag rules Where it's not It's it's really just a protest It was never really about the flag It's just protesting how Brown people are being treated in America That's it And I don't think that's implausible To to sit back and say That there may be some, some validity to that But instead of us trying to understand Instead of us trying to understand where they're coming from, it's become a thing where someone changed the narrative and now it's like you're disrespecting the flag, you're disrespecting the military, when no one ever said that. And I wish that narrative would change one day. Now, Troy, on a business level, you already said it, Goodell, the owners, this is a move because it is a fan base move. Uh, That's the way I see it, because you're dividing a fan base and they no longer wanted to do that. So they gave an option to each player, uh, some of the owners have said, um, I think the Jets owners and other owners, uh, York in San Francisco, they've said they have no problem paying the fines, you know, for any of the infractions, obviously with, with the new policy. So there's a, a, you know, there's some owners that are supportive of, of whatever the player wants to do at this point. But my, my, I took away the fact that the NFL basically said the, the player is not going to dictate the business. You know what I'm saying? The actions of a player or the needs of a player is not going to dictate game day business to the customers. That's the way I took at it in terms of a business model. So the NFLPA for me needs to be, if, they're, if they strongly believe in police you know, inequality or social injustices and everything, I think they need to phone up. They need to partner up with the players more closely and then at that point bring that to the table to the teams uh, as to how they can, com- you know, contribute in some format, just like you do with anything else. You know, you have health issues and, and they contribute to that or make a campaign of some sort to address maybe certain communities and certain franchises or certain locations that obviously have those issues. Um, so, I mean, there's still a conversation that I think needs to be uh, addressed between the, the league ownerships and obviously the players association in some sense. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, you know, that would be – in my opinion, that that would be great if the NFL owners did that and if they brought attention to it, even if it were just a, a PR stunt. I'm just saying this, you know, with full disclosure. But I think all of that would still be null and void because uh, until 
they decide to stop blackballing Colin Kaepernick until they decide to stop blackballing Eric Reed. Two really, really, you know, decent NFL players. Eric Reed probably on the higher end, and these guys are clearly been blackballed. If the NFL owners, who, by the way, you know, some are saying they'll go ahead and pay for the fines, uh, you know, like the Jets owner said that, but at the same time, he also voted for this rule to go into effect. Um, you know, it was unanimous. The only only owner who didn't vote on it was Jed York of the, of the uh, uh, San Francisco 49ers. And so that's great that he was saying that he would pay the fine, but what I would rather them do is to, just like you said, and I think you, you, you said it beautifully as far as, you know, how about partnering together with the players? Finding out what what do they think? Because look, the NFL owners they're not they don't know anything about, you know, these these inner cities. They have no idea what's going on and I think that's really the people who are saying um that they're disrespecting the flag, I think that's the same thing with them. It's just that you're missing a perspective that others have seen. And, you know, we've been through it before. I mean, I've have personal experiences that have happened. I'm not gonna get into it, but that's why I can understand it from a different um perspective than most people. So, you know, I, I hope that, you know, the NFL decides to, number one, end the black ball on Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed, And just like you said, then after that, I think all of the, the, the repairing will start at that point. But it doesn't mean anything until they do that. And if you can talk to a lot of uh, NFL fans who are on that side and feel that way, a lot of them are really boycotting, you know, the NFL because of that. So they're talking about the ratings. And they're saying that the ratings went down because of the flag, but they also have to add in the people who are not watching it because Colin Kaepernick is clearly being blackballed by the NFL. We talked about, Troy, about Kaepernick's concerns, but no team, not even his own team that let him go, has re-signed him. That's an issue. So either York's talking out of his ass, as some people would say, because <laughs> he's not taking a gamble on, on Kaepernick. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's a conflict of words here. At one thing you're saying, yes, I, I'm not going to vote for that. And then on the other thing, he's not out there trying to hire and bring him back. So it's either he's getting pressured by 31 other people not to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And and I, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I mean, because Jed York kind of recused himself from the vote. And I think that was also a political statement because just like you said, he could have signed Colin Kaepernick back. I mean, after, you know, um, after that year that he finished with his contract, he could have signed him back. Or they could have signed him, you know, definitely last year. I mean, because that, that team wasn't good until Jimmy G got there. So, I mean, I just – I really wish that, that that right there would just end. I just wish that would end. It, I don't care if you if the team signs him and he's a third-string quarterback. That would really take a lot of the sting off of what's going on. But I think that they're doing this collusion because – I just think that they're sending a message to the players. If you stand, if you step out of line, this could happen to you too. And all the reason it hasn't happened to some some players like Antonio Brown is because he is the top of his position. The owners aren't crazy. You know, they're still going to have their players out there. But the minute that you show any signs of wear and tear, or the minute you sign any show any signs of decline, everyone will be in a collusion and they'll block them out too. And I just hope that they can straighten that out. If they fix that, I think a lot of the pain will go away within the Brown community. Now, you know that this is a sort of a company mandate. It's every company has it. Every company can set a mandate. 
uh, the, a player has an option of not agreeing with the mandate, either resigning or being let go. So that's the, that's the three options that a player would have at this point if they don't want to participate in the NFL any longer based on the anthem policy. And that's what I get from a management level, the fact that you gave the player options. So the player is either going to conform to the policy or the league. Uh, they're either going to resign or they're going to, go, you know, basically, you know, be, be let go because of infractions or because the owners are paying too many fines and things like that. Um, let's bring Luis into the conversation here. Luis, what's your thoughts on it? Okay. So Troy, because you wanted to talk about hockey on a football show, I got to disagree with you. Just a little bit. <laughs> we don't go there. We don't talk about hockey. Um, okay, so so I agree with a lot of the, the of the points to consider. Uh, to me, it's just a really simple thing. It, we can go the rounds on why they're protesting, what they're doing, what their intentions are, how they want to do it. Um, and the platform that they want to use, and they're not disrespecting the flag or whatever. For me, I would, I whatever my thoughts are, I would still stand for the flag. That's just what I would do. Um, and I would choose a different place to protest. Um, I look at it from a purely, a purely business standpoint, and that, and I know there's a collective bargaining agreement, and they have complicated rules and all that that help govern and working together with the league. But if you're, if, if you're, it's a business. Those players are employees. And the owners get to decide, and and they get to decide how they want to do it. And it, and if it's affecting their business model, that this is a, a distraction and a focus, and they get to decide. And if you don't want to conform to that as an employee, then yeah, you might get blackballed. But that's the case. I don't understand why people think this should be any different as a business model than their normal everyday jobs that they have to conform to. I mean, even on like a football team like the Falcons where you're not getting paid, you have to conform to a certain degree to all work together and to be successful. And so you have to put your personal platforms or personal things aside. Now, I feel like these, everyone feels more empowered and money than play. And I think, what if the owners came back to the players and said, guess what? We took a huge hit here this year. We can't pay you as much as you've all been earning. And we believe that our numbers prove that this issue is affecting our income. And so guess what? Y'all got to get pay cuts. And so, you know, those are just real things that you have to look at from an owner and business standpoint. And I know the high percentage are African-American players, but they still have a whole mixed type of people they're watching. So to me, who's had to have a job, and I wasn't getting paid anything like that, my husband who has to have a job and not getting paid anything like that, I just think, you know what? You got to do what the boss says. And uh, just how it goes. To me, it's just kind of simple. And uh, uh, Oscar, you brought up, you know, really good points about just the business and the owners. And, in fact, I was just reading a Sports Illustrated article about a baseball pitcher. We're going to talk about baseball, not hockey. But. And so a baseball pitcher that plays for Oregon State. And he, it came out that when he was 15 that he um, – they thought it would be closed and they would never come out. And so it came out recently when he was 15, a couple, in the last couple of years, that he um, molested his niece, who was four at the time. And he he admitted to doing it because he thought that he could put, pull it under, uh, slide it under the rug and it would be the best thing for his life to move on. 
so he admitted it that he did it, but he's saying that he really didn't do it, that he just did it. Just said that he did it to be it'd be better for the court system. And so the baseball people, the baseball uh, scouts and team owners and stuff, they're saying we, we can't touch this. We can't have this guy play for us. This is this is too big, you know, all those kind of things. And so they don't want to touch it. And the guy's throwing 96 mile an hour fastballs. He's a senior for Oregon State, and he stepped away from the team last year when it came out. So the Kaepernick and other people that that the term using blackball, I just think some of them just it don't want to have to deal with it because it is just too big of an issue, and uh, there's too it's too polarizing and stuff. So you know the Jets guy saying his thing, and then the San Francisco guy saying he abstained from voting. I don't know. That's the rules. That's them, them the laws. So people can have opinions about it, but at the end of the day, they got to conform or. Or maybe not have a job, but that's how life is. If you're not doing what the boss says, you may not be maybe out of a job. So anyway, that's my take. Troy, some of the players, some came out, you know, in a negative, but others said the same thing. Luis is saying here that okay, well, this is this is this is something we have to follow, or we have to just you know abandon the league in a, in a way. So there's 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 a lot of players on either side. Some didn't really think of impactful it was prior to that do you think it's weighed off since the beginning you said it before where it's kind of it was steamed and everything was front and center and all of a sudden now it's sort of like weighed off a little bit so do you think it's just like 50 50 here where internally everybody's kind of like i don't know if i want to do that or i don't know if i want to you know go that route that kind of deal no i think i think most people actually don't care one way or the other. They were just going to stand there and and hold their hands over their heart. And I I believe that. I would I believe it's probably about eighty five percent of the players in the NFL, black, white, whatever, that are you know they're just like it doesn't really matter to me either way. But it's few that have displayed that. They're the ones that getting the most attention about that, and naturally so because it is a it's just a hot topic. So I just think all of them would rather just go ahead and like, all right, well, that's the rule, that's the rule. But I think it's a, a natural tendency to kind of not want to conform to rules, you know. I, I just think I think just the, the more they make it taboo, the, 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 the bigger their platform becomes, and that, that's on either realm. But, uh, but going back to, you know, both of your points about the business part of it, I, I, I listen. I, I do not envy their position, I and mean, I'm t- speaking to the owners. And I do understand that they are running a business. And listen, the reason why you're in the NFL, the reason why you own an NFL team, is because you know it's a money maker. And so, if that ever becomes not the case, man, it just it, I mean it's going to be a lot of people that's going to take a hit for that, and they do not want that. So I definitely understand that. I don't envy their position. I just didn't. I just wish that it didn't have to be such of a hard stance. I think I, I would just wish it was more of a thing where you can show togetherness with your players, but at the same time, you know, uh, kind of meet the, the you know the masses. And I, I say that that's why I sat back and said, like, and, and you're right. If they don't want to hire Colin Kaepernick, that's that's absolutely their right to do that. But I just think if it is a thing where they have colluded and sat back and said, hey, look. Don't hire him because you know I'm saying this or this, that, and the third. I, I think that's when it becomes a collusion thing. But if you're just saying it's off the, off the fact of, 
well, I already have enough quarterbacks. I don't need them. Or you're sitting back, and then you're saying, like, well, the quarterbacks that we have on here, they're probably on his level, but this guy's not going to give me problems, but Colin Kaepernick is. That's fine. But if it's a thing where they're just saying, look, we're just not going to bring him in here, I just I think that's that's atrocious. No, I agree. But I think the bottom line is the policy was in place for a business for you know to move forward with business revenue aspects of it. What I think the the players association should do is if they do a CBA, they do a CBA. is try to incorporate kind of like um, trying to incorporate something in the CBA like you do with you know health awareness or breast cancer week or something to showcase that part of it for social injustice. Yeah, I, I think that would be. I, I think that would be great. But just you know, here's the thing though. This is what I think would help at all is if somebody came out and just said we acknowledge. I think that would that would help. But I just think that there's just so much pushback on it that you know, it's just, again, the message is getting mixed up. I just wish that somebody would come out and say, you know what, this does happen. Because that's really what it's about. It's just bringing awareness to that. But it's such a. It seems to be uh, just a resistance to even acknowledge it, and that's why it keeps coming on. So if you want it to stop, there's two ways you can do it. You can either injure the rule, or somebody can come out and say we acknowledge it and we want to do something about it. No, I agree. So that's what I'm saying. That that's one of the solutions that probably could come about. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't even have to have an agreement with that. It's just something that you can do for free. You don't have to have an agreement to do that. I think if owners yeah. kind of united and did that, I think that would be awesome. And, and your protest ends because the players know. They're like, all right, they're on our side. They understand. Yeah, and if they did it yearly, just like they do the breast cancer awareness, if they did, and, you know, like they do the other uh, weekend spotlighted, uh, what do you call it, uh, sponsored stuff, I think that would be um, a positive message and a positive step to just bring that together because then it would be a, a, a league unison message versus just scattered players. You know what I'm talking about? There you go. Yeah. There you go. That's what I'm saying. That's a great idea, man. That's, yeah. a, that's an absolutely Oscar. excellent idea. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I I'm, like looking, that. I'm looking at it as – I'm looking at it as a business aspect of it where my revenue isn't going to be affected. I'm still going to be able to support the player's uh, request and I'll bring awareness to the, to the situation on a, you know, on a large fan base scale without having to pressure everybody to accept it week to week. But if they did it on a yearly basis, just like they do everything else, then it's kind of like a focused buildup week to that week to bring attention. Yeah, I, and also yeah, of, I always you go. On. Go ahead, go ahead, go. I also have a lot more respect. For example, like uh, when they were doing the school walkouts recently this year, and um, that's not a big deal up where I live in in Salt Lake. There was a few more people that were doing a walkout. I don't agree that it should happen on the school time and when people should be in class. But heck, if they want to do it on a Saturday. Or, or when they're not on school time, I, I value that a whole lot more and I respect that a whole lot more because they're doing it on their own and not on someone else's nickel or on someone else's time. And and so I think, hey, you know what? You have that right to protest. Do that at 
it shows me that they are really into protesting, like for schools, for example. They're really into protesting and not just using um, their peer group and all of that to, to say, hey, we don't want to go to school today. And so I like Oscar's idea in the sense that, hey, you know what? There's a special time and place for it. And, and it, because I think the players, I think, well, wait, so you, are you still, are you not going to protest or care if you can't do it out in front of the 60,000 people that are watching? And is that, is that, and I don't know because I haven't talked to every single player that does that, but does that affect your feelings? I know someone who said, oh, no, I'll still find ways to protest. I get that. Uh, then do that. Then find other ways to protest, not on the national anthem time. And then I would be way more impressed with their efforts to do that. And that's, that's why I think Oscar's idea is a good idea. Because then you're showing a little bit of awareness, you're showing sensitivity to the issue, and then you're still okay with those that don't feel like it should happen during the national anthem. So, way to go, Oscar. We need to promote you. No way you yeah, my, my, point, my point is just <laughs> if we're going to PR mode, which, you know, I'm a social media geek, we're doing PR mode. Yeah. Uh, so, Tori, as an example, like I was just brought up, you know, we do what pre- breast cancer awareness every what every year prior to the season starts or whatever, or during that season first month. So it's just a matter of incorporating this, this type of at- atmosphere to say, this is, this is the week, or this is the week that we're going to, you know, just kind of like bring everybody's attention to this type of, you know, I- issue that needs to be addressed, but you do it in a, in a situation where it's not thrown in week to week, you know what I'm saying? And it actually, I think it will be more accepted that way than uh, a week-to-week protest type mentality where everybody at some point gets tired of, of the facts. But, you know, you, it's a big issue. It's internally, I understand it. You know, I used to be an MP with the military. I understand that, you know, there's a lot of things that still need to be done, not just on that level, but obviously, you know, as Troy mentioned, community level and everything else. So there's a lot of things that happen in different communities that need to be addressed. And so um, the policy is in place. We'll see what happens. We'll see how that turns out for the new season. Uh, we, we threw out a lot of good ideas here with two different opinions uh, and all that. So we'll see, uh, you know, what the feedback will be, as Troy says, once the season gets rolling and starts picking up and how that's going to transpire. Um, so let's, uh, Troy, any NFL rule change that you, that stands out to you based on the changes that they made this year? Yeah. Um, the kickoff rule, um, you know, you, you have to, you know, if you're on the kick coverage team, you can't be any more than a yard off the ball. And then for the kickoff return team, you have to stay in between. You have to have eight players that stay in between the 50 and the 35-yard line. And and they can't move out of that zone until the ball either hits the ground or is caught by another player. So man, these are these are game changers right here. I mean, so uh, I'm assuming that they don't let the you know kick coverage team get a running start so they can build up the speed because that's how you know more injuries occur. I'm not sure how that's going to affect things, but I think the the more effective rule would probably be where you have to have the eight players on a kick return team within that 50 and 35 yard range, and they can't move until the ball is kicked. I, I, I think that's, those are going to be some game-changer rules uh, for the kick returns. But, you know what, all of that will null and void because most of these kickers kick it right out of the back of the end zone anyway. So I just think they should just go ahead and do away with it. Or you ever see those balls where um, 
you know, human beings can fit inside of the balls and they're, they're like uh, blow-up balls and they're running into each other, I think they should maybe get on the kick return team and have all of those guys wear that. Those guys would be bouncing everywhere. And I think, man, that would be a hell of a lot of entertainment out there for the NFL. Maybe they should go ahead and go to doing that. All right. So, uh, Louise, we have decided that we will revise the standard for a catch. So now the standard yes. for a catch is very simple, I guess. Uh, you must have control of the ball. You must establish yep. yourself in bounds and perform a football move, such as a third step or a lunge, to make a legal catch. Do we, are we all clear on that? Yeah. That seems real basic. It's simple to me, but I'm sure it won't end up basic. <laughs> Somehow. Uh, I like that rule. Also, the other rule that stuck out to me that I thought was interesting was the, that the command center has the ability to eject players even if the refs have come to that conclusion. And I thought that was actually kind of interesting because that makes very The refs in charge. Troy, um, Troy, the permission for a command center to eject players. How does that work out with you? Uh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it in college. I'm going to hate it in the NFL. <laughs> a lot of times, man, you're not going to be able to control a lot of times how you hit a person because the person that you're hitting, sometimes they react, you know, in, in a way where you shouldn't react. And I'll give you an example. I play football. I play linebacker. And, you know, you're reading coverage. You see the quarterback's eyes go to a direction, and you see that arm goes back. You start jetting off in that t- into that direction because you want to get to the spot where he's going to throw it as fast as possible. So when you get there, and you get there in a hurry, probably a little bit faster than that wide receiver thought you were going to get there, they catch the ball and then see you out of their peripheral, and the first thing they do is what? They duck their head. And so you're getting your shoulder in a position, and then this wide receiver ducks his head, and you your head hits his head. You didn't. You weren't trying to hurt him. But it just, you know, it just so happened that he put his head in that direction. And so the problem is, is that you're going to see players get kicked out of the game for that, I think. And But I think more so it's going to be when, when the playoffs come around, you're not going to see that happen at all because I think they're going to be too afraid to make a call like that in a playoff game or a big game, especially something like the Super Bowl, especially against a star player. So, I hate the rule. It's going to make things even more confusing while they're sitting there trying to, you know, uh, I guess make the rules simplified. They just made it even more complicated now. It's going to be simple, Troy. All they got to do is zoom in and see who the guy was. We have so much, yeah. We have so much camera now, <laughs> angles and everything that they're going to just pinpoint the guy. You know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. It's oh, so simple, God. you know. <laughs> um. Just, How about this 15-yard penalty for lowering, lowering your head to initiate? I think this is the dumbest thing you could do. <laughs> this is a dumb rule. Make contact with your helmet. You know, what the hell? Are you... <laughs> I just, you know, I, I get to some extent what, what they're trying to do. Like, I think the rule where they said you couldn't, you know, um, I think the helmet-to-helmet rule was good where it was. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the you know you don't want to have contact with with each, with each other's helmets. That's how you get concussions. Obviously, that's the biggest way NFL players get concussions. 
So I'm glad that they did that. But And you saw that after a while, the players didn't object at first. Defensive players were complaining a lot, but eventually they adjusted to it. And, you know, I think most players, especially when you look at the highlights, no, you don't see as many big hits as you used to see back in the day. But you see a little bit – you see a lot of players leaning with the shoulder, and they figured out a way to do it and, and be effective at it. And so – I think it'll be the same way with this rule. I just think players are going to try to adjust to it, but the problem is going to be it's going to be a controversial time where, you know, the guy, you can tell one guy didn't mean to do it, but then, you know, it's this pivotal moment and the referees are going to be hesitant to make the call. And one way or the other, somebody's going to be pissed. So I'm, just, I'm not looking forward to that moment, especially if I were a referee. All right. So there's the uh, NFL changes pretty much in a nutshell. And uh, I think they kind of deliberately do that every year just to sort of like make people pissed off and then obviously question and confusion. And I think it just draws more attention. It's like more like downtime. They don't want downtime, but I think they really do want downtime. It's It's kind of like, okay, we got to review this. We got to review this. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You got to have people talking about NFL all the time. Seriously, I'm like, come on. But anyways, um, the rules changes are. Um, Louise, let's get IWFL uh, schedule for this coming week. Uh, you said you had that last week, but the, it was San Diego. Uh, Seattle this past weekend was against, I think, Eugene. You can catch it on our Facebook page. Seattle Majestics against Eugene. Um, it was on, the face, on our Facebook page from the Seattle Majestics Facebook uh, page. So that was one matchup. And what was the other matchups? Uh, that was it. Oh, no. There was a Houston versus uh, Tulsa. But I got to ask you guys, can either of you pull up the IWFL website from your phones or your desktop? Because I can't get – it says the site's not there anymore. And I just discovered I have, that while we I have. Uh, I have relied on you since the – Okay. <laughs> Since well, week I one. want to know if you can pull it up. <laughs> so I'll be can a very with you. <laughs> I have not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no, on Birmingham bandwagon. I'm actually I know. not yeah, yeah. <laughs> keeping up with the IWSL. <laughs> I know. Well, I just think it's crazy and strange that now they don't have a website. And so I've tried to pull it up on my phone, and I've tried to pull it up on my desktop just in the last hour. And so I don't know if you guys have the ability to access or try and access it, but I need, like, I need I need someone else to tell me they can't access it too, because um, I just think maybe kind of uh, maybe we can call Kezia uh, uh, Disney and find out what's yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think with all the problems with the IWFL, it's making me think. Hmm, the things that make you go hmm. Troy should know that song. Yeah, well, um, all I gotta say <laughs> is all I gotta say is with, with San Diego and Seattle and and the Texas Elite Spartans. Yeah, all those things make you go home. <laughs> okay, so this is what I know. I'll tell you what I know. So All right, tell Dallas us what you know. does not have a play. Dallas does not have a game until June 9th. At least that's what their website says. And that they haven't played the last two weeks. Dallas has had two games this season. Holy moly. Um, Seattle just had their fourth game of the season. Another holy moly. Um, the Falcons actually have been pretty lucky because they're playing uh, Reno this week and uh, that will have been their sixth or seventh game. I can't remember. But that's actually, you know, a pretty decent schedule. Um, 
Phoenix is supposed to travel to play San Diego. I don't know if that's happening. It's because Phoenix is down to like 14 players. And Houston just beat, they wasn't Tulsa, I don't think it was Tulsa, they just beat, it could be Tulsa. Like I said, I can't access it. Um, but they beat them pretty easily. And so Houston and Dallas are supposed to play June 19th. Or not June 19th, uh, June, because uh, it's the 9th, it's the 17th, is that right? Or the 16th? Yeah, 16th, June 9th, 16th. So that will be big because Houston has won, won uh, lost once, but now uh, if, if Dallas beats them, then that they each have one loss. So we'll see on that one. And then uh, supposedly, supposedly, in parentheses, um, they're supposed to be in the West, if you're in the West, then you're supposed to have June 23rd as a, as a first-round playoff matchup. And uh, technically, Phoenix is the fourth seed, so that's who the Falcons should play while Seattle and, and San Diego would play, and then the Falcons would play the winner of that game on June 7th. However, in the East, with Dallas, they don't have a playoff. Their first round of playoffs is not until July 7th. And right now, there's no IWFL website. So, you know, you heard it here on Oscar's show. Um, okay, well, I'm going to so, tell you right now. The server went down. The server went down. So there's okay. no way that something happened. Either the server crashed. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Either the server okay. crashed or somebody fell off and slept and pushed the uh, on-off button or something to deactivate the site. So one of the two okay, options so you that can't we have. See it. I can't see it. So, yeah, no. I just think um, it's strange. Um, Considering I'll, we I'll have do, no public. I'm going to get a hold of Burmy and see if Burmy has info, but I don't think he cares. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't – obviously, the, uh, there's been no public announcements of anything from no, the I know. league on mm-hmm. anything. So, anyways, it, the suspense continues. Um, so, I just know that uh, – So, are you able to pull it up, you said? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Are you? So, well, it is up? Strange. Yeah. It, no, when I tried to look it up earlier – it wouldn't come up either, um, but it's up and I, now. And I can't get mine. And I can't get mine up right now. I don't even think uh, their whether, schedule has been revised. So that's the that's um, a bad part. It hasn't yeah, been revised. Yeah. So um, revised, let's, let's yeah. leave that there. Um, let's go to week nine, you, uh, you guys. Right now, week nine in the WFA, uh, we have some key matchups in week nine. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about the Warriors against Capital City because that's not even. They're just going to win. Happening. But. But we have Everett taking on Portland. Portland, second time around here. Can Everett beat Portland? That would be a big statement for the Rain. The Rain have played really well. Uh, Dallas Elite takes out the power. They have to continue to win, stay in that playoff mode. I think unless Houston surprises here, they're going to be almost the same as Austin. So I'm giving the win to Dallas. Minnesota taking on Wisconsin. Wisconsin has been playing pretty decent ball the last two weeks. So we'll see. I don't think they're at that level yet with Vixen. So Minnesota, I think, will go to 7-0 and in this one. The clash that we were expecting uh, ever since uh, we talked to the Mile High Blaze here on the show is Kansas City uh, on the road against Mile High Blaze. Big matchup. Tier awesome. 1, Kansas City. Brooke Leash taking on Mile High out there and, and company. So uh, that's going to be a big, big uh, game of the week, if you want to call it that. Orlando will take on Miami. Miami. Miami's coming off a 30-0 to zero spanking from previous weeks. So I'm, I'm assuming they'll be angry, and hopefully they'll play better. Orlando really wants to get this win because they win also. 
Uh, Tampa Bay will take on Dixie Blues. That's in Florida. We also have the big matchup in uh, Arkansas. Wildcats taking on Music City, the Misfits. Then we have Derby taking on Atlanta. It's going to be a big clash. You have the Philadelphia Phantoms. We talked about it. Taking on Richmond Black Widows. The Sharks meeting up on 6-0, Tier 3, Connecticut Hawks. And then uh, we have Boston, who needs to rebound with a big win, uh, taking on Baltimore Nighthawks. Nighthawks started uh, the season pretty well, and then all of a sudden they kind of gone on a downswing here. So this would be a big win for them if they can take care of the Renegades. The game that I'm going to be paying attention to is Mile High, Kansas City, because I think it'll be streamed because Casey's been doing that. And uh, and then the Portland Everett, those are two ones that stick out because Dallas Elite's going to kill Houston. So, all right. So Minnesota against Wisconsin will also be televised on Town Square TV. So oh, good. from uh, from the Minnesota Vixen uh, sites already. So um, Everett's should be streamed as well. They do it off the SPN uh, ESPN site. Um, out there in uh, in Everett, so I will take a link. Take a look and see where the links are for that. Um, Troy, what do you think? Uh, Boston taking on Baltimore. If, if at this point you, you give the Nyhawks even a chance against Boston? No, I just think um, Boston is you know on the fringe and they're just a better team right now. Um, as you said, Baltimore's kind of falling off a cliff. You know, it's starting pretty well in the beginning, but. I just think Boston right now is a little bit too strong, a little bit too seasoned, um, and Baltimore is just not ready for that yet. All right. Um, Troy, how about what's your thoughts on uh, – we, we talked about Philly, uh, Black Widow, so um, that's going to be a great matchup there. Uh, New York, Connecticut, what is the other matchup? Oh, Columbus, uh, obviously coming off uh, a, uh, you know emotional loss of uh, player Latasha King-Daly. Um, I don't. We'll see how Columbus is on the road against Cleveland, and Cleveland has not played very good ball. So I'm assuming we give this. Columbus has always played Pittsburgh tough, played everybody pretty much tough on the East Coast. So I'm assuming it's an it should be an emotional uh, time for them to come up and just get a win. Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, those things happen, and I just think when you're on a team, that's when you kind of kind of kind of draw closer to each other. And just it'll be a bonding experience for these ladies out there. And I just think, you know, that, that bond is going to get stronger and, and is already pretty strong on that team. So, you know, it's going to bond them together. And I think that they'll come out on fire um, this weekend. So, Luis, uh, are you taking the Denver squad The Denver squad, or are we going with the uh, Phenom, Brooke Leach, and company in, in now, the Titans? Casey, I think, proved their point this year. And so I'm going with them. Even though it's away. All right. But and, and, and I got friends on down to the or Denver that would say, What? But I think that's it. I the only way they beat Kansas City is if they bring their A game and they already knew from the last game that they gotta bring their A game. So we talked to uh Adriana Talsi out there and she knows that she's gotta play her A game. Yep. All right, so um, that's pretty much week nine in the WFA. That's going to be for uh, 26 games on June 2nd. That's going to be pretty awesome. Um, uh, Louise, were you bailing on us, or are you still hanging out? 
Um, I can stay until 8.30, so it just depends on if you're going to talk about more hockey or not. Oh, we're not talking hockey. Anymore. <laughs> that's not that's not going to happen anymore. I mean, that's, I'm a Kings fan. I, I gave Troy his props early because he deserves his props, but we're not going there. No, no. That hurts me. That hurts me. I, I'm sitting in Cali, kind of like hating the Knights right now. I'm actually a Caps fan right now. <laughs> that's the reason I brought it up. I'm rooting for Washington here. She warned you. She, she warned you, Oscar. <laughs> I know. Oh, I my know. God. No, I know. Troy hasn't been on for a while, so it's good to hear him talk. And, you know, oh, he, boy. he needs to get it out. He needs to get it out and talk about it. And you, know, you can't talk about the, the Washington Redskins, so I'll talk about the hockey. Oh, man. No, yeah, that's, that's, that's my good. therapy. It's my therapy. I can step on <laughs> that at a statue in, you know, Philly kind of thing. Um, I'll, yeah, let you yeah. guys, uh, I'll let you guys talk about LFL. That was a great game. I watched uh, that, but I, I'll let you guys talk oh, about man, LFL it was. and do your thing. All right. Um, so, you know what? Um, Troy, Michelle Angel, I think she's either pissed off that she didn't get to stay in Nashville and that she needed to go back to Seattle because she looked like a mean oiled mean machine coming up against uh, KK Matheny in week six Nashville Knights taking on Seattle Miss everybody assumed we even assumed what are we what we were going to see about Seattle Miss but they came to play on both sides of the ball oh man it, yes they did man um it, it just they they just look well oiled out there I mean they they were really just taking over that entire game and in all aspects they and it was a lot of Motion that was going into it, especially, you know, with um, some of the Seattle coaching staff uh, filling in alerts like that. But man, they were they were they were ecstatic out there. It was a lot of emotion, with you know, with everything that transpired. You got the former Seattle players and even the coaches united in Nashville. Danica Brace, you know, she's the you know former MVP uh, of the league, and now she's the coach down there, and all of her buddies went with her. So it was just a lot of. It was a lot of firepower out there, man. Now, uh, Troy, uh, Michelle Angel, a couple drop passes in the beginning. Otherwise, this game would have been different. Those got, those players get the get the ball and catch the ball. There's about two scores that could have happened there, and this this game would have been closer. She had to have been frustrated. I mean, because just you know, in the first half alone, I think I counted seven drops that she had in the first half, but. Man, did she compete? And, and Seattle, they needed that veteran leadership, and and she made some spectacular athletic plays. I mean, look, she had that scramble for the touchdown in the beginning. Uh, she handled the bad snap. You know, that that looked like Brett Favre s right there when she reached up and got grabbed it with that one hand. She had a beautiful, beautiful back shoulder fade in the corner of the end zone, and that was like on a fourth down call. I mean, she played a brilliant game. I mean, listen, man, I love Michelle Angel, dude. She is a baller. She is. I mean, she she single-handedly motivated her team, you know, with her toughness. I mean, because she took some big shots out there, and she got up, and she was still barking. And, and you got to love that. And, uh, Bobby Huco, he kind of mentioned during the broadcast that there were, like, some who wanted KK, but there were also there was some on that team who felt like Michelle Angel would have been a better quarterback for Seattle last year. But nonetheless, she gets her, you know, she gets her chance to share. She's been making the best of her opportunity to play quarterback again, and I, I'm just, I was definitely impressed with her, man. That's 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 veteran quarterback play that you see right there. 
The run game was one of the key things that Seattle did really well. Defensively, they kept containment on uh, C.V. Snore. Probably one of the few times that you see C.V. Snore pretty much contained. The second half, they kind of lost out on that. But 43-24, week six is what we're looking at here. Nashville goes to 2-0. and uh, Seattle falls to 0-1. Um, Louise, did you get a chance to watch it? Or is she? I think she left us, right? Yeah, yeah she I left think us. she okay. did because, um, because you, said, yeah. you said hockey, and she was just like that. Too. Yeah, we talked about <laughs> hockey. Thank you. That's not good. Well, listen, man, I love hockey. You know, you know I love hockey as much as I love football, so it's just, just me. Right. Um, so, but you I'll know, Troy, you, man, so what, um, do you take, what do you take away from the coach? The coach, I love the, the miss coach was no hold barred. I mean, uh, off the mic, it was like just take, kicking his players left and right. That was just awesome. Hey, man, you, you know what had me laughing? I, it got to the point where he was saying these things, and I was saying to myself, does, does he remember that he's mic'd up right now? <laughs> exactly. That's what I was God. saying to myself. Was, you know, was like, maybe he forgot. You realize he's on maybe he forgot. Oh my God! He's gonna be he's gonna be in trouble when he finds out that's a hot mic, man. <laughs> yeah, wait till they put him on a wild clip. kind of crazy stuff. Put him on a wild clip. That'll oh, be his, his highlight moment there. Um, he did play. Um, he did admit that obviously he had no help in the transition. So I guess that's a, I guess a, you know if I'm a coach. I didn't really, I don't really want to come out and say, you know, uh, I didn't have all the tools when I started, you know, but at the same time, he did admit that. And Chris Michelson kind of like hinting that he's going to go to the league office and all of a sudden he switches gears and goes to help Danica Brace in Nashville. And I think that's kind of like low, you know what I mean? Considering the franchise has been there for eight plus years, you would think that he would want that franchise to survive. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was I was kind of um, I, I felt him on that one, man. You know, so he's he's got to have some kind of some sort of bitterness toward that man. But you know, he's he 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 would he would be best served to just go ahead and keep chopping. I think really he's got that team going in the right direction. They show so much fight out there. I mean, hell, they're not as spectacular as they used to be, but their entire team is now in in, in Nashville enjoying barbecue. So you know, you can't. You dwell on that, but he has some pieces to build on up there. I love the way that they play. I, I just think he's really got it going. But I think the key is is keeping Michelle Angel upright, and um, I think they will be straight. Yeah, I know. And and the one thing I took away from this is their defense did do a good job against obviously the all fantasy. There was no Jade Randall, so we can't really gauge how well they would have done with a Jade Randall. In, in you know in place, but they did well for not having Jade Randall at, at all, and they did do their part. So uh, Michelle Angel, they fall to zero and one. The West right now, Troy Austin at one and one. Austin played well the week before that when they were they were facing uh when they were going up against um, Atlanta. So they've done a really good job there. Uh, are you believing that the acoustic is? The, the Western Conference leader here, or the, the top, the cream of the crop here in the Western Conference, is within six weeks here. Man, I, I wouldn't have thought that. 
I mean, because I just remember, you know, two seasons ago, the struggles that they had, and, um, you know, they, they've, they've come a long way. I mean, I, I think that they have definitely turned a corner on that franchise. So it's good to see them having that kind of success, and I just want to see if they can go ahead and keep continue it and build on it. But I think they're doing a heck of a job doing that. Denver, to you, what does Denver look like right now? The dream, they're much improved from last year. You know, last year was a dumpster fire. Yeah. This year, much improved. But they only played Omaha, so I, I don't know how to gauge them yet. Well, I mean, as, as long as they play better than they did last year, I mean, I just think that's building on it in itself. I mean, because, man, they – it was some games, it was as different, 98 to nothing. It was just like they were debacles. But, you know, they're a much better team right now. I think so they, they were able to build on that, and they were able to get some pieces in place – you know, to allow them to compete. And that's all you can really ask for. So I just like the direction they're heading also. All right. So um, L.A. and Coach Tui, big problems. But I don't know, Troy, how can you not figure out that if you don't have a quarterback as an offensive coordinator, that you got to give it to the F-150? Just go with the run game. Yeah. And then maybe do gotta, some fast, fast action with Delaney Hall. It just seems like they don't understand that. And then – on the opposite side of the ball, you got Ogun Chichindu out there making dumb, you know, penalties on the defensive side of the ball when they should be staying focused. Just crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you kind of let the emotions get the best of you, you know, that's that's never a good, uh, that's never a good move. And you know, the fact that they've started off, you know, zero and two, or I'm sorry, zero and three now. So I mean, they're they're just they're in trouble right now. So I'm really surprised, especially at their leadership uh, position at, at, at the, uh, you know, the coaching that they have there with Coach Tilly. I'm really surprised that they've gotten to this point now. All right. So, Troy, L.A., critical game here coming up June 9th. They get a bye week. This week and next week, LSL is a bye week. And then June 9th, the return, it's going to be in Ontario. It'll be, it'll be their third game here. Uh, give, I have to give them credit for – their schedule was pretty tough. They get Chicago twice. So Chicago, you know, Koshak and company, there are no uh, pushovers, and they don't like each other. This is like, you know, L.A., Chicago, they just don't like each other. So for Koshak to get two wins on against Los Angeles, pretty nice there. So now Los Angeles really, to salvage their season, they have to go into uh, and host the Austin Acoustic, which for Austin, this is their season game. They win here. They go 2-1. and one. They literally almost guarantee themselves a playoff spot. Yeah, this is a huge game for both of those teams because, listen, L.A. still thinks that they are, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that they are, a, a pretty good team. And they still have an outside chance to get into the playoffs, and every game, every single game is going to count. They're going to have to come out fired up in this one, especially, you know, having their home crowd, you know, behind them. But that, the time is now. That's it. I mean, they just have to they they have to start chopping wood right now. So what better time but the present? So, you know, on June ninth, you know, we'll see we'll see how they go ahead and come out in that game. But uh, you know, if they're not getting really good quarterback play, you, you as you alluded to earlier, they need to run the football, and they definitely have the F one fifty back there ready to roll. Now, um, Tisha Winfrey played pretty well against Atlanta. Uh, a couple of timing issues, I think, with Michelle uh, Michelle. Uh, Marshall and Lelani Lopez, if they can patch that up and, and kind of like 
get their defense a little bit. The defense, I think, is going to be a little bit outmatched uh, and maybe even intimidated by Los Angeles. But if they get the win here, Troy, Saturday, June 9th, uh, Austin would move to 2-1, and one, like I said, and their chances are great in terms of making the playoffs for the first time. That means if they win in Los Angeles, Coach Oliveira will get his second win. And, and he, hasn't, he hasn't won. He won last week against Atlanta. Beating L.A. would be another huge win for him. Yeah, and then um, and and not to mention for for Tache. I mean, we you know kind of watched her grow up. I mean, I've been watching her three years now. She's she, she's you know, she's expanded on her game. She's gotten better every year. So I mean, that's that's what you want from from your quarterback. And she's getting to the point now where you know if, if not already, she's definitely the top leader on that team. So she's in in a good position right now to solidify her status in the LFL. And what better way than to you know, get your team into the playoffs for the first time. All right. Nashville, are you shooing them in here? They they get to play, I think, one more game or two more games. I think it's they played the dream on the 23rd, and then they I basically finish up the season. Uh, I think that's it. And then the five weeks, they get uh, like a five-week layoff into the playoffs. So the time off for them, they get to face, I think, uh, Omaha as well. So I, I doubt they're going to fall. So they're going to finish probably 4-0, and then they get five weeks before Legends, uh, the playoffs start. So I don't know if that's a good thing. That can't be a good thing. I mean, because you want to have some competition in between there. I mean, there, I think there's a such thing as too much rest, and I think that's definitely it. You know, I mean, five weeks, that's a long time to go without playing a, an actual football game. You know, practice is one thing, but, you know, game conditions are always different. All right, um, your thoughts right now, Troy, Chicago Bliss, Jane Caldwell, no more Christelle Harris. Apparently she's in Atlanta. We have not seen Christelle Harris this year at all. So we're bound to see Christelle Harris, I think, on July 14th when the Bliss take on the Atlanta Steam, or we're going to see Christelle Harris on June 16th when the Steam takes on the Miss. So uh, for Chicago, more similar to uh, Nashville, I just don't understand why the LFL would not schedule a Chicago-Nashville game. You know what I mean? That's kind of like I don't. I did not understand that. You're you're putting Nashville all this, but you're not putting up you know Chicago-Nashville. Yeah, I mean, and you, that's what you want to see. You want to have these good teams against other good teams, and why wouldn't you? I mean, that's what you want to do to draw a fan base. I definitely agree with you there. I mean, I, I wanted to see that. I want to see it now. So, I mean, hopefully at some point we do get to see it this year, but, you know, in the playoffs. But, man, yeah, that would have been great. Now, we're going to have to wait till um, pretty much July to see Nashville-Chicago because that's what it's going to look like right now. It looks like they're going to finish 4-0 each other, and that's going to be the difference to who goes to, uh, you know, to the Legends Cup against the Western Conference. Um, uh, are you inclined to say Omaha is – Way way more improved this year than anything. They're one and zero. They are going to get uh, they're going to get to face, I believe, Nashville next. If I'm correct here on the schedule, um, is it Nashville for Omaha? If I'm right, yeah, Nashville, July seventh. Uh, do you think they have a prayer against the the Knights? Uh, no, I just think Nashville is just way too skillful. Um, you know, Omaha is you know up and coming team and they're young and. You know, they're trying to build something, but no way. I mean, just the, the team that I saw that was, you know, that took out that Seattle team, 
that was a steamroll. Um, they just had way too much firepower. I mean, and look, I'll give you three reasons why. Nene Gleaves. I mean, she stole the show yeah. out there. So, I mean, oh, yeah. she's she's a sleek – that's a sleek running back right there. You know, she kind of reminds me of her running style. She runs just like Derrick Henry, who, is, you know, used to be the Heisman Trophy. He was the Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama, and now he's the starting running back for the Tennessee Titans. She runs just like him. I mean, she's obviously smaller than him. But, man, she runs with power. She's got speed. They could not stop that sweep. And, you know, for whatever they tried, they couldn't stop it. And even if they got in the way, I mean, she basically lowered her shoulder and ran right through them. That's a power back right there. And she's definitely – and then you also have – you still have Stevie the Bull that's down there. You know, and, and she – she's, she's, she's a beast. She's a beast. So they just have way too much firepower both sides of the ball. Um, I think Seattle kind of took it to them because they had, you know, you know, a little bit of emotion going along with that also. But I just think that Nashville's a superior team. Now, uh, um, Troy, we're going to get Seattle Miss, Michelle Angel taking on Dakota Hughes June 16th, and that's going to be a big clash. This is a make-it-or-break-it game for both teams. Both teams are 0-1. It's, it's basically – Atlanta must win to stay even in contention in the East, and Seattle must win to stay in contention in the West. So you can't have a better matchup. It's 0-1. Who wants to get a, a, a win? Yeah, I think um, in, in this instance, I think it'll be Seattle. Um, I like what I saw out there. Uh, that team has a lot of fight. Just Michelle Angel, I think she's just an incredible quarterback, and she's just a great leader. She, you know, um, she kind of reminds me of, like, Baker Mayfield, man. So, I mean, I, I love the moxie that she has. She's passionate. I think that's the kind of team that, you know, uh, I think that's the kind of player that you want to build that team around. And also, uh, one of my other favorite players, my new favorite players in Savannah, the Lumberjack Woods. Oh, man, look, she, she can play some ball, man. That girl can roll with me. She's, and she's slowly but surely becoming, like, the point of their passing offense. Uh, we'll see how they do in the next game. I mean, but they threw to her a lot, and she was open. And when she gets rolling, you don't think, you know, a, a girl that size can run that fast. But, man, she can roll, dude. All right. Do you think the uh, retirement of Adrian Purnell really affects the steam team? Yeah. Um, you know, because Atlanta was always in the mix, um, you know, starting off. Um, you know, they've been in the mix every single year, you know, but I just think, yeah, that, that's that's going to take its toll on you. I mean, you start off with that first loss, um, you know, but those girls are champions, you know, at least, they, you know, they, they've so many times that they've got to that level and, you know, to get thwarted by, team, you know, it's always Chicago, but I just think that they have a lot of talent on that team. But, yeah, it's definitely going to hurt, you know, losing her, but I just think that they can still turn this around, though. All right. Um, I saw Atlanta get rattled by Austin pretty much. Lauren Ziegler, Dakota Hughes, they brought, you know, their game. They kind of threw them off their tilt a little bit. They ran out of time. Otherwise, I think they would have probably won in Austin. But uh, the time, you know, the, the time clock was against them as well. So we'll see how they do against Michelle Angel because Michelle Angel looks like she wants to make a statement for herself on this Miss team and become the leader of the Miss team. Sort of, I, I kind of have the sense, uh, Troy, that 
Michelle Angel is sort of like an Ashley Sarleno type baller. You know what I mean? So she can air it out. She can, uh, you know, when the, when the gap opens, she's able to run it as well. So very mobile and very athletic on the arm. So uh, Seattle sort of benefited. This Seattle coach kind of benefited to having such a, uh, uh, you know, a quarterback like like her. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you have that dynamic at the quarterback position, that's the dual threat. I mean, that's really what all a lot of offenses want to have nowadays. Is you want to have that guy that can. Um, that player that can run and throw, and they're a danger either way. So whenever you have that, I mean, you know you got a weapon on your hands and you're going to score some points. All right. Um, the other matchup, or the other, uh, the standings basically at this point matchup, uh, as of week six here, Nashville Knights 2-0, and Chicago 2-0, and Omaha 1-0, and Atlanta 0-1. Um, so the Eastern Conference, will be a duel between Chicago and Nashville to represent the East, which I think, like I said, on the schedule, this was kind of a disservice because you should have at least scheduled one game, Chicago-Nashville, and that would have kind of separated everybody and clearly. On the on the west side, we have Austin and Seattle maybe as front runners right now. We would have to say that, right? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. All right. So yeah, um, you're going to do June 9th. Yeah, June 9th is um, – Austin Acoustic visiting Los Angeles Temptation, which uh, L.A. season on the line. Austin's playoffs hopes the Legends Cup is on the line as well. Big matchup there. Then a week later, we are going to get Atlanta Steam hosting the Seattle Miss. Both teams coming in at 0-1. Crucial game here for both teams. Um, if either one loses, they fall pretty much in the cellar pretty much at this point. They would be 0-2, which is not where you want to be. Then uh, June 23rd, the Denver Dream will be taking on the Nashville Knights, which you can pretty much, pretty much pencil that one in and pretty much know that Denver's probably going to fall to 0-2 unless something miracle, of miracles happen. Then Denver gets to play back-to-back weeks June 23rd and then June 30th against Los Angeles, which we will know exactly where L.A. stands uh, by then based on the results of the June 9th matchup against the Acoustics. So uh, the next couple of weeks, Troy, it's kind of separation week for the LFL in terms of who's going to be uh, front runners for each conference. Yeah, it's the headbangers. You know, this is where everybody knocks heads. This is where the you know the, the Rams knock heads. So, you know, somebody's going to get somebody's going to have to give, and some things are going to have to get worked out. But I agree with you on on the Nashville Chicago angle, man. That's 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 going to be a hard sell right there, man. Yeah. Um, Troy, this arena style of play with four games only, this really puts, we've talked about it before, way more pressure. Each game is so hype. It is a playoff game, technically, if you think about it. Yeah, and you, you definitely, you know, your, your margin for error is so slim in this league. You know, I wish we did have more of those games, um, you know, to extend it out. So, as you said, you can kind of extend and also – to be able to play other teams, you know, uh, in the LFL. But, you know, the system it is what it is, and, you know, that just tightens up the leash on a lot of these um, on, on these games. So, you know, the pressure is on, you know, from start to finish in this league. As a coach, Troy, if you were running an LFL squad, you would have to have that mentality, right? Because every game is a playoff mentality. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it's always a sense of urgency with these things. And, you know, we kind of saw that, um, <laughs> you know, during the, <laughs> during the Seattle game, the Seattle Nashville game. So it was a lot, it was a sense of urgency out there on both sides of the ball. So on both of those coaches. I always hate that the refs get bashed all the time in this league, but sometimes it is warranted. And a lot of the coaches sort of a very, uh, I guess you got to laugh at times or you got to just go, man, I, w- I would do that same too. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of laughing at some of the referees. I think one of the referees said, um, um, yeah, me though, I, I'm going to get your, you know, I was winning to Mitch, no other rule. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, man. But those referees, man, they they, they get away with murder. There's some guys out there. They definitely. But I know it's a tough job, man. But oh, man, you know, I, referees are the bane of my existence in so many instances, especially when it's a tight game. Oh yeah, especially with a tight game. Uh, don't forget to check out our Facebook page, you guys. We have coverage yeah. of uh, Liga, Liga del Football del Pacifico on our Facebook page. What was that, Troy? Are you still there, Troy? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Hello? Yeah, I can yeah, hear you. I don't, uh, I don't envy their position, their position, but they don't want – that call to come down to their their call on that. They don't. They don't want, like, you know, um, a, a game-changing decision to come down to their call, but sometimes they have to make that call. But I just, oh, man, a lot. Of... I don't know if you're still cutting that out or not. Can you hear me still? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, great. I, I I don't know if you're cutting in and out or not, but uh, I, am I coming out clear? Yeah, I can hear you clear. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I know it's it's a tough job, and then it's modified rules too because some of the refs are used to certain arena rules, and then as an LFL referee, if you don't do those games every week or weekly or haven't been doing it in the league long enough, you probably don't understand some of the rules, you know? Do something just to enforce, but I can't call everything. Yeah, and it become tough about it as well. Um, you guys can catch our our go to our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties. The Liga del del Football del Pacifico Week Eight playoffs are going to start. TV coverage by T, uh, TVP uh, out there in Culiacan, Obregon, and Sinaloa. Check it out and keep it tabs on that weekly. The Guam Women's Tackle Football League uh, playoffs will start next week as well. We'll update that as soon as we get updates from them. The French uh, Challenge Feminine Championship will also happen next week as the Molasses will take on the Lions at Bordeaux. We'll get the updates there from our network in France. Uh, we have LFB Cancun and FXL in Central Mexico action week one as well. 
And so uh, it'll be the Tornail Golden at this point. And it's a WFL action as well in the playoffs plus Lexfa. So uh, it's going to be pretty awesome at this point. Um, can you hear me, Troy, or no? Uh, no, you, you're going in and out. I was in and out? Okay. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay, awesome. Um, so you can check out our website uh, as well, uh, uh, I mean, our Facebook page as well. And then uh, the Diamond Series in Great Britain with the Heart uh, Heartland Shock uh, first round against the Southern Blaze. The Blaze win 15-8. Southern Blaze win two two of the first opening days, 12-6, versus the Northern Blizzard. And then the Northern Blizzard uh, versus the Shockland, uh, the Heartland Shock, 14-12. We'll get day two coming up this weekend, June 2nd, for Baffa women. So we'll keep you updated on that. And then the Women's uh, uh, Gridiron uh, League in Australia, we have all the updates there on our Facebook page. Check it out, all the games, day one, day two. Pretty exciting. Some, uh, unfortunate, some unfortunate uh, players uh, with major injuries, knees uh, bent the wrong way, ankles tearing up and stuff like that. So um, I'm just going to have to check it out on our Facebook page, but uh, really, really pay attention to that. And so um, we are going to be pretty much um, – can you still hear me, Troy? Am I in or out? I don't know. I don't know if you can hear me. Can you hear me? All right. See here. Uh, Troy, are you still there? Try. I think maybe Troy dropped off on me already. Let's see here. Um, so. I think I was in and out and staticky, but um, let me see if I can keep it going here. June 2nd, uh, WWCFL, in uh, June 3rd, we're going to have uh, basically Lethbridge taking on Northern Anarchy, uh, 2-1 Lethbridge, 0-3 Northern Anarchy, as well as uh, Edmonton versus Calgary, 2-1, both of them in the playoff hunt in the Western Conference. June 3rd, Saskatoon will take on Regina, which is the big matchup week five for the fourth annual Teal game at this point. And so, um, and then we're also, uh, this past weekend, the Calgary Rage won 76 to zero against the um, Nor- Northern Anarchy. May 2nd, it was the Manitoba Fearless uh, taking on the Saskatoon Valkyries and they gave them a good fight, 18 to seven. Manitoba Fearless, much improved team this year. The Winnipeg Regina game was canceled. So there was a forfeit there basically. And Regina gets 30 points. Uh, to Winnipeg zero. So the playoffs at this point scenarios after week four, we're looking at after week five, it's going to be changed. But after week four, we're looking at uh, Calgary two and one, uh, Lethbridge two and one, Edmonton two and one, Northern Anarchy 0 and three. On the Prairie side, Regina three and O, the champs still go undefeated this season, Saskatoon two and one, Manitoba two and two, and then Winnipeg 0 and four. So I don't know if you can hear me any better now. Uh, a little bit. It cuts in and out right. every now and then, but it's better. I don't know what I don't know what's happening with my phone. Maybe uh, it's the, I'm on the road, so that's probably a case where I'm I'm out there. Um, so that's pretty much it. What we got this week. So we touched base with uh, international WAGL. Like I said, go to our Facebook page, check out all the games. Uh, pretty awesome stream there. 
and for both day one, day two, and then day three starts on Thursday. Uh, yeah, on Thursday plus Saturday is day four, which is the playoffs and the finals. So that's going to be awesome. Diamond Series on June second, and uh, and it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, LFL doesn't come back until June 9th, so we'll get a bye week this next week. But WFA in action this week, and uh, IWFL as well. We'll recap those uh, next week as well in terms of the matchups. Um, but it's pretty exciting. So it's a girls' summer. And on top of that, uh, the German leagues will kick off. We'll keep you updated on Twitter for uh, League One, League Two. And then the Maple Series, the main uh, series, will kick off also on June 9th. Plus, we'll update you on the Swedish Super Series League as well. So, uh, Troy, I don't, got, I don't have anything else pretty much. But that's it. Pretty good packed show today. We talked about the anthem, the NFL rule changes, recap WFA, talk legends, and then obviously international events as well. So it's been a full, full almost hour and a half here. Yeah, man, you know, got a lot of things out in the open. So, you know, we're going to see how things transpire coming up into the next few weeks. And um, definitely keeping an eye on LFL and all the other playoffs uh, that are coming up soon. So everyone's jockeying position, especially the WFA. That's getting to really get uh, real tight down there. So we'll keep our eyes on all of that and keep you guys posted. All right. So for you guys, uh, if you want to listen to Troy, there's three platforms now. You can follow us right here on Block Talk Radio on TuneIn. Get the uh, TuneIn app, and you can subscribe to our Apple podcast. Over 200 episodes of coaches and athletes that we've interviewed. And then, obviously, uh, past episodes with Nkishi Free, Eric Brown, Eric Lynn Anderson, uh, Troy Wilson, myself, and uh, Holly Custis. And also the newer episodes with uh, Tracy Brick and Louise Bean. So check it out. Um, follow us here on Block Talk. And then subscribe to our TuneIn or subscribe to our Apple podcast. Um, check out our Instagram for amazing athletes and moments in women's American football. Add us on Snapchat. And on Snapchat, um, it's uh, Lauren Evans is taking over our Snapchat all week for the uh, Women's uh, Australian Gridiron League. So check out Gridiron Beauty on Snapchat for all the insights and player interviews right there. And also Christy Moran is taking over our Snapchat. So take a look at Snapchat, Gridiron Beauty. So um, Troy, pretty exciting week coming up for all the for all the uh, leagues pretty much, especially WFA and Legends. It's going to get tightened up. And so uh, kind of like excited to see how this is going to transpire. Uh, Michelle Angel looks so good that I was just like, you know, blown away what he, what she did against uh, Nashville. And so uh, it's going to be pretty exciting to see her against Dakota Hughes. Oh man. Yeah. She was fired up, man. So she, she had me excited to watch her, man. I said, dude, I, I haven't seen that, that much fire from a quarterback in a long time. So it was great to see that out there on the field. All right. For uh, Troy Wilson, uh, for the absent Tracy Brick and Holly Custis, and Louise Bean, Oscar Lopez saying we'll catch you here next week right here on Block Talk Radio. Tune in and subscribe to our Alpha podcast. You've been listening to the best podcast covering women's American football and NFL News Weekly right here on Block Talk Radio. Have a great night, everybody. See you guys. <laughs>